TwoQuestions.tv. Brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. <clears throat> Welcome to TwoQuestions.tv. I'm Susan Barancini Mo. Joining me today is Susan Scott, who founded Fierce in 2001 after 13 years leading CEO think tanks and having more than 10,000 hours in conversation with senior executives. She's the author of this book, Fierce Leadership and this book, Fierce Conversations. And today she's not only one of our amazing authors and experts, today she's back to be one of our inspiring women in business. Hi, Susan, welcome to the show. Good morning, it's so great to be with you again. Yes, I should have said welcome back to the show. I'm always so happy to have you here, and today especially is a special day because this is one of my favorite kinds of episodes, inspiring mm -hmm. women in business. So let's start with your story. How did you get where you are today? And what are some of the obstacles that you faced along the way? Well, I had been working as an independent contractor for a company that sponsored CEO think tanks around the world. And I had been running two groups in Seattle for 13 years. And I'd also been asked to train the other chairs around the world because the CEOs in my groups were doing really, really well. And everybody was curious about what I was doing with them. Yeah. So I developed a training. The training was incredibly popular. And people also came to me for my thoughts about various things within the organization. And even the CEO sometimes would call on me and ask me what I thought about something. And so eventually there was a role, an executive role that was going to become open because somebody was retiring that I felt I was perfect for. And I applied for it. Long story short, after not hearing and not hearing and not hearing and inquiring, one of the execs said, Suze, they're not going to give you this job. And I said, why? And he said, because you want it too much. What? Yeah, I know. The look <laughs> on your face, it was the look on mine. And I just, I didn't, I was so stunned. I didn't even yeah. ask any questions. I just turned around and walked away and thought to myself, I am, I am not going to advance within this organization. Mm -hmm. I am not going to be allowed to contribute um, what I would like to contribute or be, you know, or be compensated for that or anything. And so I began to think about, well, you know, this is not, this is not great. This is just so disappointing. And um, I had a conversation with myself, you know, what's the one thing I should do? Um, that if I didn't do it, got to the end of my life, I would regret. And it was write the book, Fierce Conversations, because that's what I had been training people on for years. Mm -hmm. And they had all been saying, please write this, write this, write this. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, I want to write fiction. <laughs> I, don't <wanna> write, <laughs> I don't read nonfiction. I want to write fiction. Um, but I wrote it and um, there was a bidding war amongst the New York publishers for the book. That's unusual and fantastic. I know it was incredibly fantastic. It was a time. It was an idea whose time had come. Yeah. You know, people at that time people were completely unaware that they are, and uh, most people are still unaware mm -hmm. that they are navigating their lives one conversation at a time. They are mm -hmm. succeeding or failing one conversation at a time. Yeah. And various other ideas, and so. I was I was given a huge advance and for the first time in my life had a had a financial roadmap out in front of me and realized that at, you know I was in my 50s my early 50s when I started 
fierce. Mm-hmm. And I started it because I thought, you know, I, I'm traveling so much. I remember sitting down in the Sydney Opera House and reaching for my seatbelt. I mean, that was... <laughs> That's what happens when you're traveling that much. <laughs> I know. And then after, after the, uh, the, the um, break, I came back and I did it again. I thought, wow, this is habitual, sitting in a seat like this, reaching for a seatbelt. I'm on the road so much and I don't want to be on the road yeah. forever. I don't want to be in a position where if I am not physically in front of people, I won't be earning any money and I won't be making any contribution to the world. That's why I started the company. Mm-hmm. And I really, except for that one very brief and stunning conversation with the executive uh, years ago, I had never really realized that I was being, I don't know, discounted as a woman. I, I mm-hmm. It just never occurred to me. Um, I don't, I have never played the sort of victim, you know, if the world were different, I'd be more successful, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's no way to live. So, so I really didn't go into this with any apprehensions about being a woman. I just started the business and the response was wholehearted and visceral and immediate. And I mean, for years and years and years, we didn't even do any outbound marketing. The phone just rang, usually because either people had read fierce conversations or somebody that um, had gone through our training had recommended us. And, you know, so we're, we are working with so many companies, including the largest companies in the world that are global. And our materials have been translated in many, many languages, and it's really gratifying. So I've, I'm not, I've actually thought of my femininity, the fact that I'm a woman, thank you, God, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, has, has been a plus. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, in working with the CEOs, most of whom were male, they felt much more comfortable being completely honest with me than they would, I think, if with my male counterparts, um, because of the perceived sort of nurturing um, style of a of a woman, and I and I was nurturing, uh, but and sometimes they would say, "I can't believe I'm telling you this," and my thought would be, "I can't believe you're telling me this either," and it's okay, keep going, you know. And, yeah. and so I felt that in some ways, being a woman has been an advantage. Um, and I will say I'm a strong woman. Um, I wasn't always. There have been times in my life, mostly on the personal side, where I realize I have adapted myself to please a man, and it, that never ended well. But mostly I'm very, very strong, and I don't have a problem saying I see it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, may I share with you um, what I'm seeing? and um, Or even just saying no thank you to someone or exiting people from my life professionally and personally. I've just never had a problem doing that. And I know a lot of people do. And I know a lot of women suffer from this need to be liked. And that is pretty deadly. I mean, I, you know, I might know, not know the secret to success, but I sure know the secret to failure. And that is trying to please everyone. You just cannot do that. And you just have to say, all right, what do I truly believe in my head and my heart is the right thing to do and then go with it. So I I think that probably has startled some people that I'm so outspoken that I will ask the question that nobody else in the room wanted to ask. 
that I will make the suggestion that nobody else in the room was ready to, to suggest, even though I knew that they were thinking it. Mm. So I, I just think, you know, if, if I could advise women, it, one of the things I would say is, look, please stop leading a careful life. Mm. Uh, please stop having careful conversations because a careful conversation is a failed conversation. It, 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 it merely postpones the conversations that need to take place and want to take place. You know, that doesn't mean that you're, that you're rude or abrasive or pompous or full of yourself. It, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means coming out from behind yourself into your conversations and making them real mm-hmm. without laying blame. So I think, I think where we get in trouble is when we start pointing the finger well. You know, I do have an opinion on this, and this is where it is because he, she, it, they, that messed up and that's no way no way to um to be heard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that and that that actually was my next question was what advice do you have for other women in business is that the advice or just the beginning is no that's more? just the beginning, the beginning. <laughs> so a couple of things one is um Think about the word conversation. It comes from the Latin, conversare. It means an exchange of ideas and sentiments. It starts with C-O-N in Spanish. Con means with. So it's about being with someone. And I was sitting on a, on a train with a young couple in England years ago, and the young woman said, you know, my dad, he doesn't have conversations. He has versations. And I... <laughs> I think that's what we do. A lot of people think that the perfect conversation is one in which you will listen to what it is I have to say. Mm-hmm. And that's not an exchange. That's a monologue. You know, that's a directive that, that never goes well. So that would be one. Understand that it's a two-way thing. It's not that I have to sit there and never say anything. I definitely will. And there should be at least equal time listening to the other person and drawing them out and asking them to say more, tell me more, keep talking and thanking them. And the second thing is, please understand that you don't own the truth about anything. You know, nobody owns the capital T truth about anything. There are multiple competing perspectives on every topic under the sun. And I can't tell you how many times I have been humbled and sometimes almost embarrassed because this great idea about which I had so much fervor and, you know, was really wanting to recommend. Once I had listened to other people in the room, I realized my great idea was probably the worst idea. It was, it was not, it was certainly not the best idea. So, so this is, this is one of the reasons why, you know, I, I, the most important training that we give is on how to have these team meetings, these team conversations. And that's, it's the way I did it when I ran the CEO think tanks, because a leader's job is not to be right. A leader's job is to get it right. Right. And every single person in your organization and including your customers, your clients own a piece of the truth about whatever the issue is. And I'll give you a little example. Um, In one of my CEO groups, one of the members ran the largest cemetery and funeral home in the state of Washington. Hmm. And 
I, he's, he is long deceased now and buried in the very cemetery he and I used to walk through. But he looked like Central Casting's idea of a funeral director. And he, <laughs> he dressed in these very dark, kind of musty clothes. His teeth were really bad. He was overweight. I kept waiting for a button to pop off of his shirt. His hair, I always wanted him to wash his hair. I mean, I just wanted to do a whole makeover on him. But the thing is, when initially, when I first met him, I thought, I don't know what this guy is going to add to, to, you know, these, these CEO meetings right. where they're there to advise one another on their most pressing issues, whether it was a problem to solve or a decision to make or an opportunity to evaluate or a strategy to design. And they really needed to get it right because there was a lot at stake to gain or lose mm -hmm. based on how brilliant it was. Right. And I remember thinking, what in the world is he going to add? And I know some of the other CEOs when he first came in were looking at him and saying, has she gone mad? You know, <laughs> turned out that his, his insights were truly bordering on genius. Wow. He took us be way beyond where we had been thinking and where the CEO had been headed and took us into true innovation. And it wasn't it, it, very, very quickly. The respect for this funny looking man uh, rose through the roof and everybody was holding their breath when it was time for him to, to speak. So we have to understand that we need to get, you know, when we've got, important decisions to make or problems to solve, et cetera. We need to get those diverse perspectives in the room and we need to hear from every single person so that we can get it right for our organizations, not be right. Yeah. And um, so that, I think that, that that's, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice. Don't think, you know, I've, I've told our executives um, your title is simply an indication of your realm of responsibility. Mm -hmm. It does not signify um, superiority mm -hmm. or infallibility or privilege. Um, it just tells us what you're what you're focused on and gives us an idea of your area of expertise. But it doesn't do anything else than that. And so, get over yourself. You know, if I remember one one executive was saying, well. As an executive, I shouldn't have to check in to if I want to take some time off. And I said, well, maybe I need to relieve you of that title because you clearly do not understand what it means to be an executive. Are usually the hardest working people yeah. uh, in the organization. And there would be one other piece of advice. Should I shift or did you want to comment or ask? No, no, this is wonderful. The conversations with you, of course, as expected, are always such at well, such a high level. And so please continue. Okay. And I realize that in an interview, this isn't really a conversation. I'm just holding forth, like I say. Go for it. <laughs> but the other thing is, and I, this is central in everything that we teach, if you want to be a great leader, if you want to be a great parent, if you want to be a great human being, but let's just focus on your business. If you want to be a great leader, you must gain the capacity to connect with the people who are important to you, you know, your coworkers, your customers, your vendors, your whoever it is, your direct reports at a deep level mm -hmm. or lower your aim. So the superficial 
how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Fine. Okay, good. We've got that out of the way. It's not that there's anything wrong with that, but that is not connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook is not connecting. In fact, there's been a lot of research about how people end up feeling more down, mm-hmm. depressed, and uh, disconnected when they spend a lot of time on Facebook looking at all these lives of people who sound so much more interesting than their own, you know, texting. Mm-hmm. And I, te- I mean, the only way I can reach my granddaughters is via text. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all for all of this, but you know, emails and texting and, and Facebook and that is not, that is, that does not create deep connection. That's very shallow. That's like water skiing, which can be fun and you can get a tan, but if you put on a tank and go beneath the surface and really develop genuine respect for and an affection for one another, that's when you become a great leader and people will follow you. Because if, you, if you've only captured their heads with your brilliant strategy, eventually your career will stall. Mm-hmm. We have to capture people's hearts as well as their heads. And we do that with humility and with genuine interest in them as human beings, um, wanting to learn from them, understanding there is nobody you can't learn from. In fact, I came across, can I just share my favorite new word? Let me please. Um, I just came across this about a month ago and it kind of blew me away. The word is sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R. And people can look it up if they want to, but it, it is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. Don't you love that we have a word for that? I do. (laughs) Somebody made it up and I don't remember who, but that just is stunning to me because it's true. I mean, I could go out on the street corner here. There's a Starbucks right below us and the toy stores diagonally across the street and a park where a lot of homeless people hang out and two great restaurants. I could go out there and just corral the first 12 people who walk by and bring them in and say, tell us your story and be blown away yeah. by who they are. That is not what I might've thought they were and how wise some of them are and what can be learned from them. I mean, it just, so I think, I think you have to be, you have to be, you know, humility, humility goes a long way as a leader. It truly does. It and does. you you cannot fake um, caring about other people and really being interested because we can tell when somebody's not really interesting and, and and not even really asking and when they aren't really asking we don't really answer right so those would be some things i would say to to anybody certainly and just because you might be a woman does not mean this is automatically part of what you do there are plenty of women who are um still trying to be something other than who they really are uh, which is a huge problem in and of itself. Um, yeah, and don't understand that part of part of a woman's strength is in her ability to to have compassion, to have love, to express those things, um, and 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 therefore people will respond to her. So, you know, it's if you if you're wearing some kind of a business face, take it off. 
that face, that face is boring. We've seen that face everywhere. We want to see you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Susan, it's always such a delight to have you on the show. And there's always so much wisdom that comes from it. Where can people find you? Well, the website is uh, fierceinc.com. And so they can find out everything about us um, that they might want to know and what we do. Um, I'll give you my email. It's susan at fierceinc.com. If someone wants to email me directly, feel free. Um, I always respond. I might end up referring you to someone else, depending if you have a question or something. But, um, you know, I'm not hiding behind my title, <laughs> hiding in my office. I will, I will be in meetings all day today and, and really excited to hear what people have to say. Yeah. And indeed she does respond. I can attest to it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have those links in the show notes for today. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. All right. Viewers, here are the books. Where do they get these? You do. Then we're going to have links down below in the show notes for today so you can get your copies because these are really indispensable resources and, and a unique take on leadership and the dialogue that takes place at the leadership level. And frankly, I think Fierce Conversations is a great human book. So it, get your it is. It's a yeah. life skill, not just a business skill. Absolutely. And I hear that from people all the time. I'm using this at home with my spouse or my Absolutely. children. Yes. Yes. In fact, I think I told you when yeah. I first interviewed you about that book, it yeah. changed the dynamic of our dialogue. Really fantastic. So it makes me so happy. <laughs> yes, me too. And my husband too. Thank you. Right. You're, welcome. You're welcome. Have a great right. day. That's it for today. Bye. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. This has been twoquestions.tv. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, learn more about the show, the guests, and our host, Susan Barancini Mo, visit us at www.twoquestions.tv.